You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Nathaniel, is part one in the series, One-on-One with Jesus, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to ask you to please find in your Bible the Gospel of John and chapter 1. John chapter 1. Hey, it's good to be back home after being gone last week. I want to say uh, thank you as a church family for just allowing me time to be uh, with the church that I served for 11 years in South Georgia. It was great to be there. My son is one of the pastors at that church. And I got to see Jeremiah lead worship, and uh, there's just nothing better than that as a parent when you see your kids uh, walking in truth and serving the Lord. So uh, that was a huge treat. Uh, They had me uh, preach and sing there, and and so I enjoyed it. They endured it, and uh, but there's no place like home. It's good to be back home. Uh, So today we're going to start something new called one on one with Jesus. Last month, we talked about our strategy. I'm grateful to uh, Pastor Craig Mintz, who preached last Sunday, closing out that uh, whole month of talking about our strategy as a church for spiritual growth. And it got me thinking, what is the strategy or what was the strategy of Jesus as he lived out his mission on earth? in his earthly ministry. What was the strategy that he employed for accomplishing his mission? And we know what his mission was. His mission, he stated it in Luke 19.10. He said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And so as he did that, uh, ultimately that mission was completed when he went to the cross and he died for our sins and opened up the door of salvation for us. Uh, But then leading up to that, there was a period of about three years where Jesus was teaching and preaching and healing and feeding and delivering people and working miracles. Uh, But uh, what we find, if you read carefully about the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you find is that Jesus went about his ministry in a way that we would not expect him to do it. Uh, Think about this. Jesus, we know, had the ability to attract huge crowds. The Bible calls them multitudes. 5,000 people at one time he preached to. And he had the ability to work breathtaking miracles. He fed 5,000 people with what amounted to about a handful of food. It was incredible, and, and Jesus had the ability to, to heal hundreds, if not thousands of people every day if he wanted to. And, and so here's what I'm thinking. If Jesus could do that, and if he had only three years to change as many lives as possible, it would make sense if Jesus would do that stuff every day, Right? I mean, every day, why would he not do that? Teach a multitude in the morning, break for lunch, heal a few thousand people in the afternoon, and just repeat that every single day to reach the maximum number of people possible. But if you read the Gospels, what you will find is that Jesus spent 
a lot of time ministering to individuals just one-on-one. Why would he do that? Uh, This is a poor comparison, but I've been making it in my own mind this week. I've, I've been in ministry for over 30 years. And I was thinking, if I had to compress a lifetime of ministry into just 36 months, if I was going to reach the maximum amount of people, I know what I would do. My strategy would be, I'm renting out Thompson Bowling Arena every available date. I'm hiring Taylor Swift's marketing people. I'm buying some Super Bowl ads. Uh, and to try to reach as many people as possible in that short amount of time. I'll tell you what I would not do. I would not be scheduling a bunch of one-on-one meetings with individuals. If I want to reach the masses, I'm not going one-on-one. But Jesus did exactly that. We can point to a handful of times in the Gospels when Jesus preached to huge crowds but, but the Gospels are filled with those one-on-one meetings that Jesus had. Interactions with just a single person. Depending on how you count them, there are about 50 of those recorded in Scripture. In fact, if you take all of the one-on-ones out, it's a thin book. Uh, I've chosen nine of those meetings Jesus had with individuals, one for each of the nine Sundays through Easter. And I'm praying that God will do two things as we look at this. Number one, that that, that Jesus would teach us to have compassion like he did. The fact that he spent so much time being interrupted, being stopped on his way somewhere else, just to spend time to meet a need, to heal someone, talk with someone, to give attention to a nobody, shows us his great heart of compassion. He made time for people. He cares about the ones. Uh, I want us to catch that. You know what I mean? To really catch that heart, to learn from that, and to see the great heart of Jesus for people, and to love him more for it. So I'm praying for that. And then second, that that we would be, I'm praying that we would be moved to go after the ones that we know, the people who are close to us but far from Jesus, and that we would learn to follow the footsteps of Jesus and, and learn from his example to seek out the ones, to allow ourselves to spend time and to notice people, to pray for them, to share the gospel with them. Uh, to really be more like Jesus in that way. I I heard about one guy who decided, you know, I want to be more like Jesus. I'm going to search the Bible and just track what did Jesus do, and and I'm going to just try to do that more and, and become more like Jesus in that way. And he came up with a list of six things that he would have to do to be more like Jesus. Here's his list. Number one, hang out with more sinners. Number two, upset more religious people. Number three, tell more stories to make people think. Number four, choose more unpopular friends. Number five, be more kind, loving, and merciful to people. And number six, take more naps in boats. 
I can tell you for us, if we want to be more like Jesus, one thing we'll need to do is to care more about the ones in our lives. Uh, Today, we're going to read about a one-on-one that Jesus had with one of his disciples named Nathaniel. Uh, The Gospel of John, where we're reading, John's the only one that calls him Nathaniel. The other Gospels call him by his, what was probably his surname, Bartholomew, which means the son of Ptolemy. And uh, so maybe that was his last name, Nathaniel Bartholomew, or the son of Ptolemy. So let's read about it in John chapter 1. Are you ready to hear God's word today? John 1, you don't sound like you're ready, but we're going to do it anyway. Verse 43, the Bible says the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, those two words, that is the call of Jesus to disciples. That's the disciples' call. Jesus said, follow me, indicating you're going to go a new direction in your life now. Follow me means now you're taking a new route. Now you're, you have a new leader. You're following me. Now you don't just go wherever you want to go. You're going to go where I lead you to go. This is a new direction in life. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to be his disciple. Verse 44, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. In this passage, I see five invitations, and I want you to hear these invitations in two ways. First of all, these are invitations to everyone here. And then also, these are invitations that we get to extend to those who are lost, the ones in our world who are close to us but far from God. We get to extend these five invitations to them as well. So let's listen in these two ways. The first invitation I see is this, come and see. Now, remember, that's what Philip said to uh, Nathaniel. He said, come and see. And so the first invitation is come and see Jesus, the one we've been waiting for. In verse 45, remember, Philip said to Nathaniel, we have found him. The one the scriptures promised would come, the Messiah. We found him. Apparently, Philip and Nathaniel both were 
People who had studied the scriptures and they knew the prophecies and they knew the promises about the coming of the Messiah, the one who would be sent by God to deliver Israel and to be the savior of the world. Every faithful Jew was waiting for the Messiah. Israel was at that time in a horrible situation under the rule and the domination and the control of Rome. They had no power to defend themselves. As a nation, they were not living up to their calling as the people of the one true God. They were not living up to their calling as the representatives of God to the nations of the world. They needed help. They needed a deliverer. They needed a savior. And the promise of the Messiah in the Hebrew scriptures is what kept their hope alive. And so they waited. And Philip said to Nathaniel, hey, the one we've been waiting for, we found him. And his name is Jesus. And that is the good news that we have for every searching soul in this world. We found the one that our souls have been longing for, the missing peace that nothing else will fill, the void that is in your heart. No one else can fill it but Jesus. We found the one that we have been waiting for, and his name is Jesus. Invitation number two is this. Come and see Jesus, even if you're a doubter or a skeptic. In verse 46, we find that Nathaniel was sort of a skeptic. When Philip said, uh, the Messiah, we found him, he's from Nazareth, and he's the son of Joseph. Nathaniel pushes back on that idea that the town of Nazareth could ever factor into God's plan for saving the world. Not Nazareth. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, why was Nathaniel so skeptical? We really don't know, uh, but he had some kind of prejudice against Nazareth. Maybe he picked it up from his parents. Uh, I know when, when I was growing up, my dad is from northeast Arkansas, and he would always talk about the people from the boot hill of Missouri, just across the state line. He's like, I don't like people from the boot hill. Those guys growing up, they were mean. They would cross the state line, come down, pick fights with us. I don't like people from the boot hill. So growing up, I kind of picked up on that. I don't like people from the Boot Hill of Missouri. Now, since then, I've met a lot of people from the Boot Hill. They are nice people. I was wrong. But Nathaniel had some kind of prejudice against Nazareth. And his attitude was the Messiah. He couldn't come from a place like that. And the son of Joseph, who's Joseph? He's a common man, a nobody from Nazareth. It just doesn't fit the profile of the Messiah. But Philip... I love this. Philip didn't argue with him. He just said what? Come and see. Just come and see. It's a good reminder that the job of a disciple is not to memorize the answers to every intellectual question that our family and friends may have about the veracity of Scripture or scientific rationalism or whatever. We need to be prepared to talk. But listen, our job is to testify to what Jesus has done for us and to tell them, come and see. You just come and see. Consider what Jesus said. Consider what Scripture says. You just come and see for yourself. And then we just trust the results. 
to Jesus. And so Nathanael did that. He agreed to come and see. He and Philip go to Jesus. Verse 47 says they're walking up to Jesus. And, and Jesus makes this declaration about Nathanael. He's, he's not talking to him, but he's saying it where Nathanael can hear it. And, and he says this. It's super interesting how Jesus greets Nathanael. He says, behold... Look at it in verse 47. Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. In other words, here's an honest guy. I know what he said about my hometown. I know he doesn't believe in me yet. But here's an honest guy. What you see is what you get with Nathaniel. Nothing fake about him. And I think that was just a way for Jesus to say, I can handle a guy like Nathaniel, who's an honest seeker. A guy who's not convinced yet, but he's an honest seeker. Now, Jesus had strong words of rebuke for hypocrites who pretended to believe when they really didn't. But there's hope for a person like Nathaniel. And I just want to say to you today, I don't know if you're listening uh, online or here in the room at somebody's invitation to come and see. But I just want to say, if you're a doubter and you're just not convinced yet, if you're a skeptic when it comes to the Bible or to who Jesus is or Christianity in general, I, I want to invite you to keep coming and keep listening. And, and like Philip said, come and see. Just come and see. We, we want this church to be a welcoming place, a safe place to see and learn about Jesus and to see the gospel in action through his people. There's room for doubters and skeptics here. And, and if you're not convinced, and if you're just checking it out and trying to decide what you believe about all this, uh, then let me say to you, Jesus loves you. Even if you're a doubter or a skeptic, you keep coming, keep coming. Number three, a third invitation is come and see Jesus who saw you first. Nathaniel in verse 48 says, how do you know me? How can you make a judgment call about my character when we haven't even met? And Jesus just blows his mind with this statement. He said, hey, Nathaniel, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. Now, what in the world does that mean? I saw you under the fig tree. For centuries, Bible scholars have been trying to figure out exactly what that means. But nobody knows for sure. Nobody knows. Some say Nathaniel must have been sitting under a fig tree praying that God would reveal himself to him. That God would reveal his Messiah, the Savior. We don't really know. Whatever it was, it must have been an experience with God that Nathaniel had in prayer or reading scripture that only God knew about. Something he prayed for. A desperate cry from his heart that nobody else heard but God. Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. And I think the point of that comment is simply, Nathaniel, before you were aware of me, I was aware of you. Nathaniel, before you ever saw me, I saw you. Before you were thinking about me, I was already thinking about you. 
Before you made plans to come see me, I had already made plans to do good things, great things in your life, if you believe in me. And so Nathaniel, smart guy, connects the dots pretty quickly. He must have thought only God could know what I was thinking and praying under the fig tree. Nobody even knew I was there. I didn't even say it out loud. And yet Jesus knows about that experience that I shared only with God. And so therefore, Jesus is God come down. He really is the one. And he makes that great confession of faith in verse 49 when he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And so just like that, Nathaniel shifts from being a skeptic to being a believer. He goes from questioning Jesus to confessing Jesus as his king. And, and I love to think about this. I, I, I imagine the Bible doesn't tell us, but I imagine how Philip must have felt right then. He must have said, I told you, Nate, I told you. He really is the one. Woo! Now you believe too. This is awesome. And we love that, don't we? To see Jesus change the life of someone that we love, somebody we have prayed for, somebody we've told, hey, come and see and let him do for you what he's done for me. Come and see. We love that. And I, I pray that that scene is repeated over and over and over in our church family in the days ahead. Invitation number four is this. Come and see Jesus who opened heaven for us. Now track with me here. Back to verse 50 and 51. We need to read those again. Verse 50. Here's how Jesus followed that up. So Nathaniel believes now because Jesus blew his mind. He revealed his omniscience, his all-knowing character as the Son of God. Verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? <laughs> Son, you're going to see greater things than these. You ain't seen nothing yet. Look at 51. He said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Another sort of strange thing to say, unless you're a Jewish guy who knew the scripture. And this would, have, this would have sent Nathaniel all the way back to Genesis chapter 28, and, and he would have immediately begun to think about the scene that happened with Jacob, renamed later Israel. And, and here's the scene. He would have recognized this as one of the key moments in scripture of how God deals with his people. The story that would have come to mind as Jesus quoted the words of Genesis 28 uh, is this. Jacob had deceived his brother Esau, and now he has left his home. And on his travels, he, he lays down to sleep in a place called Bethel. And while he sleeps, God gives Jacob a dream. And the dream is a stairway to heaven. Led Zeppelin was not the first one to think of that. A stairway between heaven and earth. Access is what it meant. There's a way for heaven to come down and for us to go up. 
a stairway to heaven. Access to heaven is open was God's message. Heaven comes down to earth even for a deceptive guy like Jacob. And, and in referring to that in verse 51, I think Jesus was saying, Nathaniel, I'm going to open up heaven for you. You haven't seen anything yet. I'm opening up heaven for you. Son, you're going to see the kingdom of God come down here on earth in all its power. And the reality is whether Nathaniel picked up on this much or not in that moment is that Jesus is that stairway to heaven. Jesus is the only way to gain access to heaven as lost sinners because of his grace and his forgiveness, his salvation. Invitation number five is this. Come and see Jesus and believe in him. Believe in him. Jesus said in verse 50, listen, because of what you heard, you believe. And that's the invitation for you. Is that you can believe in Jesus and be saved. That's the invitation that we have the privilege of giving to everybody in our world. Everybody in our lives. You can believe in Jesus and be saved. That is the only way. That's our only hope of salvation. By the way, uh, did you notice in this passage all the finding that it talks about? Uh, in verse 43, it says Jesus found Philip. And then verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel. And then Philip said to Nathaniel, we found Jesus. And so what's going on here? How does this work? That Jesus found Philip and Philip said, we found Jesus. Who found whom? I think that's the right way to say it. Who found whom? Did, did they find Jesus or did Jesus find them? Uh, let me just uh, make this statement. They would never have found Jesus if Jesus had not found them. We become disciples of Jesus as a result of the initiative of Jesus. That is grace, isn't it? That Jesus came to seek and to save the lost when we didn't have sense enough to seek him. Jesus laid down his life for us while we were still sinners before we could ever call on him. He was seeking us. So that we could find him. That God first sent his son. So that we can along with Philip say I found him. Because he was seeking me. Somebody has said this. And I think it's so true. I want it to be true of us. That found people find people. People who have been found by Jesus go and find people who need Jesus, just like Philip did with his friend Nathaniel. Come and see, we found the one. Found people, find people. I want us to begin today thinking about this, and we're going to think about it all the way through Easter. We're going to take time every week between now and Easter Sunday to pray about who we can find. 
who we can pray for and invest in and invite and share the gospel with. Just one. Just one. What would it be like if all of us did that? What if we asked the Lord, will you put somebody on my heart that needs you? They're close to me, but Lord, they're still far from you. How can I be like Philip? Who is it that you want me to go after? And tell them, we found the one, come and see. So here's what I want to ask you to do. We're going to pray right now. I want to ask you to just pray this prayer. Lord, will you put somebody on my heart? Put one person on my heart that I can pray for and invest in and serve and share the gospel with. Uh, as you do that, um, there is a uh, bookmark that I, I hope that you picked up when you came in today. Uh, did everybody get one of these? Hold, hold it up if you got one. If not, there are some available at the doors and, and on the welcome desk out in the foyer as you leave. Will you please find that? On one side, it says one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. On the other side, there's a part that you can tear off, and it, it simply says, who's your one? And there's a place for you to write down your one, that one person that, that God is going to put on your heart. Maybe he already has, and you can write it down right now. And then there's a place for you to put down uh, your prayer partner. We all need accountability, somebody who's going to remind us, hey, have you talked to your one lately? Are you praying for your one? Somebody to pray along with us. And so what you'll do is fill that out, tear it off, give it to your prayer partner. Choose somebody who's responsible and who's going who's to hold your feet to the fire, okay? And so that's the way that works. You keep the other part to remind you to pray for your one. Let me tell you something I'm going to do. And that is on my phone, uh, you'll see a screenshot on the screen here, uh, is to set an alarm to pray for your one. And I've already done that on my phone and just labeled it pray for your one, just so I'll remember. And, uh, and the time that uh, I've done that is 101. Get it? One on one. 101. Ha ha. Uh, it's a good time, sort of right at the end of lunch, to just stop as the alarm goes off and say, Lord, I'm praying for this person and call out their name to the Lord. All right? I challenge you to do that. I'll remind you again next week. Let's stand together and uh, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. If you have that person in mind, will you call their name out to the Lord as we pray? It could be that you, uh, you don't know. Ask the Lord as we pray right now. Lord, who is one that I could go after and that I could share with? All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I, I, can't, I can't pray this prayer without just saying in front of this church family, thank you for finding me. Thank you for finding me. A confused kid with a lot of fears. Thank you for finding me and saving me. 
I thank you for those who had a part in that and who were praying for my salvation. And now, Lord, will you help all of us who've been found to go and find others? And will you lay somebody on our hearts who needs you? And if you know that person's name already, would you just call their name to the Lord? Just say their name in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we just simply pray this prayer of faith that, Lord, what begins this morning, we're going to see bear fruit in a lot of people coming to faith in Jesus. We pray for every name we've mentioned, every name written down to be saved. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.